Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And those two things are merging this week. We have a couple of guys, not myself, unfortunately. We have two guys covering the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, so check out Packer Report, and we'll have full coverage of the biggest and most important of the college All-Star games. And please check out the rest of the great Locked On podcast network, which includes Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy, and Locked On NFL Draft. And we're going to switch gears here. Um, throughout the season, I did a four downs um, format with uh, four important notes for every day. I'm going to struggle to find more than one or two for the rest of this offseason. I kind of need to spread it out a little bit, so we're going to go... Just a couple things every day that I think are pretty interesting. Um, and for the first week or so of the offseason, we're going to kind of hit some of the hot offseason topics and then give you a award winner from the season that just was. And we'll start with the offensive MVP. I'm going to shock you on this one. I'm going to go with quarterback Aaron Rodgers as Green Bay's offensive MVP. Yep, I know. I, I will give you a minute to let that sink in. After Rodgers said that the Packers could run the table... Here's the game-by-game look back here. At Philadelphia, 313 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 116.7 rating. In a snowstorm against Houston, completed two-thirds of his passes, 209 yards, two touchdowns, 108.9. Against Seattle, the one game in that stretch where you thought, they're probably going to lose this one. 78.3%, 246 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a 150 rating. At Chicago, 252 yards, no touchdowns or picks, so his rating was 87. But when the Packers needed him most, he had the big play to Jordy Nelson to set up the game-winning field goal. Against Minnesota, 73.7%, 347 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, 136.6 rating. Against Detroit for the division, 69.2%, 69.2%, 300 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, a 126-point rating, 126.0 rating. Against the Giants, with merely three all-pros in the secondary. Just, just um, quote-unquote, 62.5%, but 362 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, a 125.2 rating. Then against the Giants, he threw, he threw the one interception, so that hurt his rating, but... 65.1%, 355 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and a 96.6 rating to beat the Cowboys. So when the Packers needed him most, Rodgers talked to talk, he walked to walk, all those good cliches, and the Packers got all of the NFC Championship. And look what that meant to the offense as a whole. 27 points against the Eagles, 21 against Houston, again in a snowstorm, and then 38 against Seattle, 30 against Chicago, 38 against Minnesota, 31 against Detroit, 38 against the Giants, 
34 against the Cowboys. So when the pack when the when the Packers needed it most, Rodgers got going and the offense got going, and that carried Green Bay all the way to the championship game. And if, if there's a runner-up for the award, which there will be, because I'm because I'm handing out the awards, so I, I will do what I want with them. I'm going to pick a runner-up for it. And then his left tackle, David Bakhtiari, who's going to the Pro Bowl, a second-team All-Pro. Check out here's the numbers. These are from stats. Sixteen games, three sacks. Three holding penalties, a total of five penalties. If you look back at his first three seasons, he averaged six and a half sacks, six holding penalties, and two other penalties. So, again, six and a half sacks and a total of eight penalties in his first three seasons. That was the average. This year, less than half of the sacks for three, and a total of five penalties. Just a fantastic season, and... You know, there's always that one bit, I think, if you're a general manager of any sport, that if you pay a guy, how's he going to react to being rich? And you know, I, don't, I don't think there's much doubt with Bakhtiari how that was going to handle, but you, you still don't really know. And Bakhtiari took out a, got that big payday, and his play picked up, and he played turning his best season in the NFL. You know, I gave, I gave you the three sacks. If you, if you want to add in three playoff games... Didn't get up any sacks there. No sacks, no penalties in a postseason. So it turns into a 19-game season with just three sacks, and that's impressive work for any left tackle. And in Green Bay, they don't help. They don't help anybody. You know, with, with running backs or, or tight ends, or whatever, helping the chip and, and practice. It is David Bakhtiari against whoever, and week after week after week after week, Bakhtiari emerges as the overwhelming winner. And when you're a pass-first offense. Look, you got you got to have that, right? You know, and I understand that Rodgers' mobility helps some of that, but I, I, I don't think Rodgers had to duck too much pressure from Bakhtiari this season. A tremendous season by one of the best young players, not just young tackles, but one of the best young players in the league. All right, we'll start a look at free agency today. The Green Bay has six free agents on offense, and we're going to touch on those guys. First of all. They are, according to OverTheCap.com, Green Bay is $35.72 million under the cap. And they, they are projecting the cap at 168. That is right smack in the league. That is number 16 in the league in available cap space. So they're in pretty good shape. If Green Bay cuts Sam Shields, which we talked about in yesterday's podcast, and, and thank you for all the uh, kind words on that. I, I know you're... Uh, you were happy with the direction of that podcast, many of you were, when I started um, ranting and raving about the defense. So I appreciate I appreciate that. Got a little fired up. Um, anyways, if you cut Sam Shields, he's got uh, base salary and roster bonuses of $9 million. So that gets it up to $44.72 million of cap space, and that ranks as the 12th most. So Green Bay's in good shape with a gigantic asterisk. According to Over the Cap, Green Bay has the fewest players in the entire league under contract. I'm just letting you, that's sinking with a pause. I'm all about the dramatic pause here. I don't think I've learned during this podcast for four months that you put in the, or six months or whatever the hell I've been doing this, you throw in the dramatic pause for effect. <laughs> so, actually, in that case, I was trying to think, think of what I was going to say. So they've got a lot of work to do. 
And I'm talking about signing impact players or resetting your own guys or you go spend elsewhere. You've got to make a roster. So there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I do not think that number took them. Green Bay um, signed eight of us restricted free agents yesterday. So I, I don't think um, over the cap accounted for that. So they had them for 39 in contract. 39 plus 8 is 47. And you get to have 90. So at least by their count, which I probably should have double-checked, but they, they do really good work over there. Um, Jason Fitzgerald and the guys at over the cap do great work. So assuming the number is right, to get to 90 men, they, they, have to, they have to sign 43 more players between the draft and undrafted free agency and all that kind of stuff. So they've, they've got a lot of work to do. All right. The guys in offense. Eddie Lacy. Jared Cook, T.J. Lang, Kristen Michael, Don Barclay, J.C. Treader. We'll go through all those guys. Lacey, I think, is one of the most intriguing questions of this offseason. I know a lot of fans are ready to, are ready to dismiss him. Uh, you know, I, I think Ty Montgomery is the flavor of the day, and I understand that. But in five games, Eddie Lacey ran for 360 yards with a 5.1 yard average. He had a great year. He had a 20, he had a gain of at least 25 yards in four out of those five games. So Lacey ran well. And then he, you know, he showed the guts by with a bad ankle playing against Dallas. And that injury ultimately shut him down. So it, it really a terrific year. He also added merely four catches for 28 yards. He's, but he's but he's been a a big-time fast-receiving threat in his career, and I like that part about him. You know, in his first three years, he averaged a little over 32 receptions for exactly, well, not exactly, but almost 300 yards per season. So he's, he's been a receiving weapon, and he's a tremendous pass blocker, and I think that's what came up to bite the Packers at the end. For all the things that Tom Montgomery does well, pass protection is not one of them. And I don't blame Ty. I mean, he's never done in his life, and I think you give him a whole offseason to really understand what he's supposed to be doing and understanding the nuances of how to win these blocks. I, I think he'll be better. I mean, he's 216 pounds he's listed at. So, you know, I, I think he'll be fine. But you saw it against Dallas, and you really saw it against Atlanta. When, Mon- when Montgomery's in a game, it is time to go blitz. It's, the, it's time to force the Packers' hand and blitz it and make Montgomery try to block you. And there were times... You know, like the the, uh, the Jeff Heath sack against the Cowboys, the one that Rodgers almost fumbled or didn't. He he it looked like he should have fumbled, but he used remarkably held on to the ball. I mean, that was a play. He was just late to see the blitzer, and with Lacey, who had been a running back for forever, that never happened. He was terrific in pass protection, not just mentally and physically, or not just mentally but physically too. He was a a great player in that phase of the game, and I I think that can't be discounted. Question is, how much do you want to pay for Eddie, right? My hunch is he's not going to get much action in free agency. Now, I could be dead wrong about that because he's played well. But if you're a general manager for another team, are you going to pay a whole bunch of money for a a guy that, A, is coming off a serious injury, and B, has had weight issues? I mean, if Eddie Lacy got overweight in 2014, or excuse me, 2015, when there's a lot of money on the line, do you trust him to stay in shape when he's got his contract? I wouldn't. 
But that's me. I I'm not, I, I can't think like the rest of the GMs. And I'll, I'll, I will say this too for all the talk about Lacey being in, in great shape and P90X or XYZ or whatever the hell that workout's called. Um, I thought by the time he got hurt again, I, I don't think he looked quite as good. Let me just leave it at that. Um, but he's a hell of a gifted player. And a Lacey Montgomery one-two punch seems like a pretty good idea to me. So if the price is right, and I think it will be right, I would sign Eddie. And here's one more reason to do it, too. If you don't sign Lacey, of course you could sign Michael, but don't you have to get another running back? Don't you have to draft one? I would think so. If you sign Lacey, though, if you do draft one, you can do it really late, right? I mean, it becomes a no-priority. You take a flyer and a guy sort of pick. If you let Lacey go... I feel like running back becomes a, a important position to draft. And Green Bay's got a lot of positions to draft, right? I mean, they corner, outside linebacker. If you let TJ Lang go, you need a guard. So, I, boy, any position that you can shore up now or before the draft seems like to make a lot of sense to me. All right. Jared Cook. If Lacey is the most intriguing free agent on the table, Cook is the most important, right? I mean, geez. 30 catches, 377 yards in the regular season, yada, but who cares about that? In his last six games, let's be the last three regular season and in the three in the postseason, he caught 31 passes. That is the... That is what he brings to the table. If you if you take 31 catches over six games, that turns into about 83 catches over the course of the season. That's better than Jermichael Finley ever did, and that is big-time production. And if you can get Cook... But the, here's the thing, though. I mean, Cook's going to cost a, a gazillion dollars, right? When he catches 31 passes over the final six games, everybody in the world has taken notice, and he's big, and he's tall, and he's fast, and he's been a good teammate. Everybody in the world who needs a tight end is going to take notice of that. So he's going to get a lot of money. Now, you could franchise him. Franchise tag last year for a tight end was uh, $9.17 million, if I recall. So that would buy you a year. You could franchise him and then try to work out something during the season. That might be the way to go. But if you're Green Bay, you have got to sign this guy, right? Like, you know, if you're smart, you keep them off the market. And, you know, one of the reasons Cook signed in Green Bay was the chance to play with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he had played with Sam Bradford and Jake Locker and a bunch of not very good quarterbacks. Well, he, he comes to Green Bay so he can play with Rodgers. And, of course, he probably comes to Green Bay to play with Rodgers knowing that his production is going to go up and he's going to make a lot of money. I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. But he had a great year. Rodgers loves the guy. It seems like a no-brainer, assuming the price just doesn't get out of control. And I think if you're Green Bay, you'd be wise to strike while the strike before he gets the opportunity to test the market. Next man up would be guard TJ Lang. Another intriguing thing here. Lang will be 30 early next season, uh, middle of late September, I believe. You know GM Ted Thompson's track record here on older guys. Not much interest in signing them. You also know his history with guys who are injured. Not much interest in signing those guys either. Obviously, Lang will be turning 30, and he's had a lot of injuries. He had a sh- shoulder surgery last offseason. He's having hip surgery this offseason. 
uh, the, the broken foot. He's been dealing with a lot. And you, how much? Mu I know TJ's a pro bowler. He's one of my favorite guys in the locker room. He won the uh, the inaugural Tom Milborn Stand Up Player Award, which is uh, created by my good friend Jason Wilding. We all voted on it, and TJ Lang and Micah Hyde were the winners of it. TJ is great. He's great to us. He's great in the locker room. The guy's a captain, obviously. Great player. But you have to contra contrast that with age and injury history and how much do you want to pay? Obviously, he's going to make a lot of money. Teams are going to say, well, he's only 29 going on 30 and guards can play a while. There will be teams that are going to pay him a lot of money. How much do you want to spend if you're Ted Thompson on TJ? Well, one... He's a great player. Two, who do you have to stick in there? When the Packers dumped Josh Sitton at the end of training camp last year, well, you know, they had Lane Taylor, and Lane had played good football, and you, I mean, obviously we debated it, and you weren't sure, but, you know, Taylor had played well enough for you. You kind of thought, oh, well, they'll probably be okay, and they were okay, but, they, I mean, they have no one to stick in there. Jason Spriggs is not a guard. I suppose they could stick uh, Balaga in there and move, and move him over there, but... I don't know what to do. If you let if you let Lang go, you feel like you got to go draft a starting guard immediately. And once again, you've got other issues or other things you got to draft. So it'd be a key thing there. If you're Green Bay, maybe you hope that you show them a two-year contract with maybe a bunch of guaranteed money and say, I know you like playing here, TJ. We like you. You like us. Stick around, would you? And, but I don't know. It's, I guess ultimately, this one might be up to, to A, does Thompson want him, and B, would Lang accept lesser money and lesser years to stick around? And it takes us to three of the, uh, uh, I would say lesser guys, our backup guys. Uh, one running back, Kristen Michael. Did okay, but just okay, right? I mean, 31 runs, 114 yards, 3.7 yard average during a regular season. He's just a total liability in the passing game. I don't trust him to pass protect. I don't, well, I mean, you saw him catch the ball with his helmet. In the Atlanta game, as a runner, I mean, ever I said, I swear, every single time he got the ball, it was a cutback, which worked fine for a while until teams figured out he was going to cut the ball back, and then he got stoned every time. So he gave him a shot in the arm, and they certainly needed him. But I'm not seeing it with Kristen Michael, and I would, I would be inclined to let him go and go. I, I mean, I, I would take Lacey over Michael every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Well. This is, this is a football podcast. Every day of the weekend, a hundred times on Sunday. And it's all going to come down to money. You know, if, if Lacey gets a bunch of money, maybe you keep Michael just to have someone here. But he's, he just, he's not a good fit for what the Packers want to do. Center J.C. Treader. The player with the worst luck in the history of the, fo of the National Football League. Here's a guy who, he got hurt in off-season workouts as a rookie. And, you know, here... Here's because Corey Lindsley has a hamstring injury. Treader finally gets a chance to be the guy. Plays pretty well. And then he gets hurt again. After, I think, six starts. And, and, that is, and that's that for Treader. If you're JC, it's probably time to go move on and find a fresh start. And you know what? He played well enough that I would think some team would want to pay him to be their starter. Not a whole bunch of money, and you've got to hedge your bets there, I think, if you're that, if you're that other team. Because... This, the history says he'll get hurt. Now, the history says that a lot of these injuries just seem to be bad luck sort of things, and maybe you work through it. But Treader's a starting caliber player for a team that doesn't need him. 
I mean, in you know, we talk about losing TJ Lang and potentially needing a guard, but I just don't think he can play guard. Guards have to be powerful guys, and J.C. Treader is not a powerful guy. He is an athletic, more of a finesse style center, and it works. That style works at center. And then mobility made it work at tackle when he had to play there last year, but I just don't. I just think he's completely underpowered to play guard. I don't think that'd work. And I don't. You know, I, I don't know if you'd want to move Lindsley. Lindsley is a center. He's always been a center. He probably always should be a center. So I, 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 I would think Treader probably goes this offseason and becomes a starter someplace. And then the, the last, but not least, Don Barclay, everybody's least favorite lineman. The guy's got such a bad rap over the years. Yeah, he gave up a lot of sacks, but you know the guy—he was an undrafted free agent for a reason. You know he—he he wasn't brought into this league to start a million games, and he started a million games. He up a lot of sacks, and the Packers also won the bulk of those games. So, you know, I, it's probably time to move on there too. Although I will say, after Lang went down, actually, after he, actually he came in after Lane Taylor went down. After Lane Taylor went down, Barkley came in and played left guard and did really, and did really well. So he was, you know, he's he he is what he is, right? He is a he's a journeyman style backup. And on a team that you know, if if you lose, you know, Treader, you you probably need to keep some sort of, or especially to keep lose Lang. I mean, you you probably need depth here, right? So, look, he's not going to cost him anything, and he's probably the kind of guy you'd like to have stick around. Just because you, you, you need bodies, you know. It's, I, I realize you, you always want to upgrade, but you also have a ninety-man roster to fill out, and also you want some competition in in that camp. And you know, if you, if you draft a, a guard in the fourth or say the sixth round, we'll push that kid. Don't don't make it a guarantee. Don't let that kid look at the depth chart and say, "Shoot, I'm a lock." Because they're, look, they lost so and so, and they lost so and so, and I, they're going to keep eight linemen, and I'm number eight. I'm set. No, you want it. You want you want composition there, and with Barclay there, you're going to get that. So I, I would be inclined to keep Barclay. You know, again, he's you're not going to keep him to replace T.J. Lang. That would be that would be stupid. But you know, as far as having a, a versatile backup who's played a lot of games, his and he's used to coming off the bench. Not just that, he's used to coming off the bench with limited reps during the work week and holding down the fort. I mean, he's. You know, he, he didn't do good enough. He, he started the one game after leg went down, and they went, then went. they turned to Jason Spriggs after that for a couple weeks. But, you know, by the end of the year, who 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 was the first man up at guard? Barclay, not Spriggs. So I, I would be inclined to keep him. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.